Welcome back. We hope you're enjoying your holiday season. Yes. We're right in the thick of it. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. (laughs) (laughs) So we're covering one of your favorite movies this week. Yes. The 1988 classic, Scrooged. It's a Christmas comedy. It's directed by Richard Donner, the late, great Richard Donner, mm-hmm. and written by Mitch Glazer and Michael O'Donohue, based, obviously, on the 1843 novella A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Say that year one more time. 1843. 1843. I know. I was looking up all the different iterations of the movie, and it just keeps going back and back and back. That's like 178 years. Yeah. I said the movie, but I meant the the story. Right. The story. It's insane. It is. Well done, Dickens. (laughs) Well done, Chuck. (laughs) Well done, Chuck. (laughs) I feel like you just ripped the football out as he was going to cook it. I just felt like Peppermint Patty right there. (laughs) Hey, Chuck. (laughs) What is your favorite iteration of A Christmas Carol? Honestly, I feel like Mickey's Christmas Carol Mm -hmm. is my all-time favorite. It's very nostalgic for me as something that I watched a lot when I was little. Yeah. But The Muppet Christmas Carol and Scrooge are kind of tied for a second. Scrooge, when I was young, was always terrifying. Very scary. As an adult, I appreciate its humor and like, yeah, I mean, I've always rewatched it every year. Right. I mean, obviously for me, Scrooge is my favorite version of this story, though I do really enjoy that 2009 one. With Jim Carrey, the animated version. And the Muppets, I mean, you just can't beat it. Yeah. I really just like this story. I like a lot of the interpretations of it. Agree. There's not really been one where I was like, I don't don't like it. Like, I just, there's something about the whole, like, ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. That story just gets me every time. Yeah, and it's like kind of knowing what's going to happen, but seeing what they do with it. Yeah. Is a good time. Makes it interesting. Yeah. And this one, def- this one definitely, by far, I think, goes away from the original because obviously, like, Bill Murray's character is meant to be the Ebenezer Scrooge, but he's this cranky television executive. Right. You know. It's a fun interpretation of that story. I like it. Mm-hmm. So cast-wise, as you mentioned, we've got Bill Murray, but then we have Karen Allen as Claire Phillips, who, of course, was in the Superman movies. Yes. John Forsythe as Lou Hayward. And Alfre Woodard as Grace Cooley. Bobcat Goldthwait as Elliot Loudermilk. <laughs> and Carol Kane as the ghost of Christmas present. Pretty much my favorite character in this movie. What an icon. Robert Mitchum as Preston Rhinelander. And Michael J. Pollard as Herman. John Glover as Bryce Cummings, who is like the California cool TV executive. And David Johansson as the ghost of Christmas past. Nicholas Phillips played the adorable Calvin Cooley, who's Grace's little boy. You have Mary Ellen Trainer as Ted. Mabel King as Grandma, and John Murray as James Cross, who is one of Bill Murray's brothers. Yes, and he played his father in this. Mm-hmm. That was funny. Uh, Wendy Malick as Wendy Cross, Frank's mother. 
and Brian Doyle Murray, another of Bill's brothers, as Earl Cross. Lisa Mende as Doris Cross and Kate McGregor Stewart as the Lady Censor. And then you had Robert Hammond as the Ghost of Christmas Future. He was uncredited. He was like the big dude. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So along with Murray's three brothers, which uh, his brother Joel was a had a cameo as a party guest. And then, like we said, Brian played his father and John played his on-screen brother James. The movie features tons of celebrity cameos, including Lee Majors as himself, Miles Davis, Paul Schaefer, Robert Goulier as himself, uh, the Solid Gold Dancers, Buddy Hackett, Mary Lou Retton. I to love name a few. Mary Lou flipping around in Me there too. as Tiny Tim. Yes. So let's cannonball into these fun facts. <laughs> let's cannonball into these f- pool of fun facts. Okay. It's just, always a pool. He just said, let's dive into and I said, say it another way. And he said, let's, let's cannonball. cannonball. I mean, who doesn't like a cannonball, huh? <laughs> cannonball. <laughs> So Bill Murray returned to acting after taking a four-year hiatus following the success of Ghostbusters when he started this movie. I always think this, like, say I had gone into acting and I had a hit and I made $4 million, I'd retire for a while, as long as that four mil would last me. Mm-hmm. It said that it was because it was too overwhelming for him. Yeah? From like a stardom standpoint? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ghostbusters was huge. It was huge. So he just needed to take a little breaky break. Right, because Bill also turned down the lead roles in Rain Man, Big, and Cocktail Oh wow! to make this film. Oh. I can see him in Rain Man. I can see him in Big. I'd, I wonder what role he would have played in Cocktail. Like I mean, the, the lead role, Tom the Tom role? Cruise role. Hmm, That's an interesting thought. Because I feel like he's he's not like, you know, classically handsome. Although I think his personality makes him handsome. but. I definitely could see him in big for sure. Absolutely. The thing with Cocktail is I've seen it like once. Mm -hmm. I don't really remember that movie. I remember people were playing pool or something like that. I I can't really remember. But Also, with after he did Ghostbusters, he did another movie, and I can't think of what it was called. But it was a pretty big failure. So I think he was also upset about that. He was. So, you know, that makes sense why he would want to take a break. Yeah, I got you. And they tried to capitalize. On the success of Ghostbusters with this film, with references including Bill Murray is back among the ghosts, only this time it's three against one. I mean, that's kind of clever. It is. <laughs> they probably played like Ghostbusters music while it was. <laughs> I should look up like a trailer for the movie just to see. Yeah. So Bill ad-libbed most of his lines, which doesn't surprise me. Right. In a 1988 interview with the Philadelphia Daily News, Richard Donner discussed Bill's penchant for improvisation and described the experience directing directing Murray as follows, quote, it's like standing on 42nd Street and Broadway and the lights are out and you're the traffic cop. An example, Frank trying to get the audience in the movie theater to participate was entirely ad-libbed by Bill Murray. That whole thing Whoa, was ad-libbed. And that's one of my favorite moments. That's it funny. is. Yeah. I put that in there for you. I thought you'd oh, like it. Oh, I love that. On that front, both Bill Murray and Donner did have creative differences during production. Bill described his time on the film as misery, (laughs) (laughs) while Richard Donner called Bill superbly creative, but occasionally difficult. That's very kind. It is very kind. I did read that Bill Murray said in some interview 
that Richard Donner was always asking him to yell like louder, louder. And he kind of made some comment like, I think he might have been deaf. <laughs> <laughs> but when you think about it, I, I thought about it on rewatching it after hearing that he does yell. He does. He's very loud. Yeah. Right. That would have been exhausting. Yeah, but it does work for that character. Well, so I get yes. it. So this movie was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Makeup, but it lost to Beetlejuice. Deservedly oh. so. Yeah. I mean, it did have, you know, some good makeup, but not, I mean, not, not much compares to Beetlejuice. No. Especially for that time. Mm-hmm. Playing the Scroogettes were the Solid Gold Dancers, whose American television show had been canceled by the time the movie debuted. So this was their final aired performance. The poor Solid Gold Dancers. So sad. Yeah. In 1989, A&M Records released the soundtrack to Scrooge, which featured nine songs. The rendition of Put a Little Love in Your Heart by Al Green and Annie Lennox spent 17 weeks on the U.S. charts peaking at number nine in January 1989. Wow, I forgot that the two of them did, did that, that song. song yeah. yeah. What a pairing. Yeah, for real. The leader of the street musicians that are insulted by Bill Murray is Paul Schaefer, and the others are Miles Davis, David Sanborn, and Larry Carlton. That's so funny that he's just like, get out of here. <laughs> and those are amazing musicians, yes. all of them. This part I put in here for you. When Frank throws water on the waiter he sees burning, he says, I'm sorry. You know, I thought you were Richard Pryor. This is a reference to an event in Pryor's life when he was freebasing on cocaine. He accidentally set himself on fire and ran down a busy street in L.A. Oh, I feel like that that is vaguely familiar. Yes. I mean, we were I was very young, very young. That makes sense now because mm-hmm. we were talking about like we didn't get we didn't get the joke. Right. But that's something that like our parents would have gotten. Exactly. <laughs> this is sweet. So on the Frisbee show. When Frank is in the dog suit, there's a tree on set with a heart engraving that says Dick loves Lauren. And it's referring to Richard Donner and his wife, producer Lauren Schuler Donner. I put that there for you. I thought it was very sweet. It is sweet. So sweet. So some goofs from the movie. After the encounter with the ghost of Christmas past, Frank decides to visit Claire at work. The business card she gave him says Operation Reach Out. But the doors that Frank walks into say Operation Outreach. Ah, it's a good catch. Yes. I love catching little things like that. I know. There's so much fun. Bill Murray falling on his way out of the restaurant was unscripted and a genuine accident, as evidenced by the reaction of the actor playing the waiter and Murray's feet as he falls. And his head, which hits the wall. Yeah. So apparently it was due to the stairs being wet. And after splashing the waiter with the water, that caused him to lose his footing. That's funny. We just watched it. Oh, it's so funny. You have to go find it. Yeah, go look at it. Another goof. So when the ghost of Christmas present, played by Carol Kane, grabbed Bill's lower lip and yanks it, she pulled so hard, she ripped that little piece of skin that connects, you know, like your, your, your tongue, your, your, well, your lip to your jaw. Oh, oh, yeah. She ripped that and filming had to be halted for several days. (laughs) But- She reportedly got so upset for having to rough Bill Murray up so much, but he would be like, let's get physical. Actually punch me in the face. All of this. He's like, I couldn't blame her. I told her to do it. Oh, man. She had to feel so bad. Poor Carol. Yeah. So I'm curious to know. I haven't looked at your moments yet. Yeah. It's your favorite movie. So I really want to hear your favorite moments. Frank's meeting in the beginning of the movie where he's pitching the scary Christmas commercial for all of like what the network is doing. 
You got like acid rain, <laughs> drug addiction, international terrorism. It's so far away from Christmas vibes. <laughs> but, it, but like Bill is so fantastic in it where like they're slowly like bringing the camera towards him and he's at like a very menacing angle and he's got the the screens like reflecting on his face. He, he just looks so great. I love that part of the movie. <laughs> it sets the stage for what we're about to watch. Right. So I love when Grace's kids dress the youngest sibling, Calvin, who's like the tiny Tim of the film uh, as a Christmas tree. Yes. Because they can't afford one. Yeah. But he just looks so sad. He's so pitiful. And embarrassed. But everyone else is so happy. And Grace gets on to them. You know, she's like, get him out of that. Get your brother out of that tree. But he's so darn cute that she can't help but smile. <laughs> I love it. I also love that the network sensor, it's constantly getting wrecked in this film. And not like <laughs> drunk wrecked, but wrecked in like a physical sense. She's getting hit with barrels, hit in the face. She's in like an arm sling and her face is all messed up. But my favorite part is when Frank appears on the set after he, I think he comes back from the past. He shows up on set, like slides down the street because he's in his expensive shoes. He slams into the dude who also like hits a barrel. The barrel goes flying down the set, runs into the lady and she's like, oh, sh bam. <laughs> but it's like, it's funny because it's the censor saying that. Yeah. So I, I love that part. <laughs> Next up, I'm sure anyone could guess. I love the backstory when we get to see Frank and Claire meet for the first time. Mm hmm. Um, you know, she hits him in the head with the door and he falls down. And, and then later they bump heads again. <laughs> it's this whole thing. And we find out, you know, this is how he got his nickname Lumpy. Because he's got lumps on his head. Yeah. Oh. And then his face while he's watching it happen, like, yeah. you know, current him watching it happen in the past. It's just so full of love and excitement. You know that it's genuine. It's just so sweet. And that, you know, I love anything where you have this like hard crooked person and then you see the softer side you know i also just as like a side note Sorry. watching present day frank view frank in the past when he's on the frisbee set and he can see that he's made a mistake and he's just he's so regretful mm -hmm. that he let that happen it's very poignant finally for my favorite moments the smile on your face right now <laughs> i love all of the ghost of christmas present yeah and how much she roughs frank up <laughs> It cracks me up every single time I watch this movie. It's so comical. I love it. I love like her wind up punches. She's like, <laughs> and I didn't know she ripped his lip, but it's like she she really grabs his lip and yanks it. It's just like, ow. <laughs> I'm always going to think of that now, though, when I watch it. Seriously. Well, it's great because when you see her, she's so pretty and magical and ethereal and all of that. And then. All of a sudden, she's like, wham, you know. She's Don't talk to me like that, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I think, the most fun difference of the movies, like this movie compared to all the other yeah. A Christmas Carol stories. She's very fun. Yeah. My last one is when Frank gets to spy on his brother's Christmas party. Mm. Uh, and he's like playing along with the trivia and stuff. And this is where he's with Carol Kane's character, too. But um. You know, we get to see that his brother really does love him and misses him. And, yeah. And then how it affects Frank to hear that. You know, I think that was important for him. You know, right. it was like a big pivotal moment. So HMs, that scene that we just talked about where Frank bites it on the way out. But before that, when Frank sees that waiter and he's on fire <laughs> and he's freaking out and then he eventually douses him with that bucket of water, except the dude's not on fire, right? Yeah. 
the fall at the end of that always was funny to me. But now knowing that that was an accident makes that scene so much better. For sure. Yeah. That's one of the best things about doing this podcast is we get to find out all this stuff that we never would have taken the time to look up, you know? Absolutely. Okay, my first HM. I also love the flashback when Frank and Claire are in their apartment Mm -hmm. and they're exchanging gifts. Um, They're just so, you know, young and in love and cool. And, you know, she gives them the Kama Sutra book. He gets her the knives. Yeah. And he's so proud of those knives. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you could cut through a can with those. <laughs> I just think it's a very real moment. It is. Yeah. All right. My next HM. When Frank tells the guy on set to staple the antlers <laughs> to the mouse. I can't get the antlers glued onto this little guy. We've tried crazy glue, but it don't work. Have you tried staples? Staples. Of course, Claire is there and she... Doth protest, (laughs) (laughs) but it's just so funny. Just just staple it to him. I do remember that standing out to me as a kid and being like, no, no, not the cute little mouse. (laughs) (laughs) This probably should have been a favorite moment, but just Frank's entire speech at the end. Oh, yes. Every part of it is amazing. I really love, like we talked about before, where it it does kind of feel like it turns into Bill Murray and not Mm -hmm. Frank anymore, where he's talking to the audience. Well, it is because it's like. It's kind of like breaking the fourth wall in a way. Right. Because now it's like the actor is talking to the crowd in the theater Mm -hmm. saying, like, guiding them along while singing Put a Little Love in Your Heart. Come on, let's hear it from all you folks out there. Come on. You don't know the words. Come on. Come on, let's hear it from this side of the theater. Come on, just over here. All right. All right, that's no good. Come on, let's try the other side of the theater. Come on. And we were talking about this while we were watching it because we didn't see this in the theater. Mm -hmm. So is there anyone that's listening that remembers seeing this movie in the theater? And if so, do you remember like what happened in your theater while this was playing? Did people actually sing? I hope they did. I hope they did, too. I really hope so. But I don't know. I'm sure in some theaters somewhere in the world, there were audiences that sang and participated. Yeah. But I would love to hear about that. So let us know. It's funny, too, with that moment, Richard Donner said that's when he saw, he called him Billy, Billy Murray become an actor Uh. because he saved this scene for the end. You know, they sometimes shoot out of sequence, but he saved this particular scene and monologue essentially for the very end. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was probably weighing on Bill's mind or Billy's mind. Yeah. But he said that's when Billy Murray became an actor. Huh. It is a great scene i could watch that it is over and over because you do feel like he's talking right to you yeah yeah all right on the lighter side frank's hair back in the 70s when he's with claire (laughs) what an incredible mullet that's good our nephew was just here and he had his own interpretation of a mullet like a mini mullet a mini mullet it was in no way shape or form this amazing but i love that mullet it's just so amazing to see the style that they portrayed in the 70s. Well done. Turtlenecks and mullets. I was also really noticing too when they first, when Frank and Claire first met and they, he walks out the door, just the people, the extras that are there, their yeah. outfits and stuff. It's really good. This is, you know, just an add on to the speech, but I love when Bill sees the Scroogeette over there leaning against the wall and the mistletoe's over her and he just has to kiss her. What a moment. Yeah. 
She really wants to kiss him. Oh, yeah. She grabs his tie. Yeah. Pulls him. Yeah. She's good. into it. But then right after he's like, but that's, you know, it was good, but it wasn't great. And then he goes into the whole <laughs> thing for Claire. But yeah. He still had to get that little makeout session. Finally, for me, the ghost of Christmas past, Lou. Lou says, I had it all. Ooh. I was a captain of industry, feared by men, adored by women. Ah, adored. Let's be honest, Lou. You paid for the women. I'm one. <laughs> I just love that that interaction. That yeah. always makes me laugh when I see that scene. <laughs> That's funny because my last HM is also during that scene is when he shoots him. <laughs> and then he drinks a coffee, he makes a cocktail and he yeah. drinks it. And it all comes out through the bullet holes. Yes, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So 1988, let's go back. We'll hit the Wayback Machine. What were the most popular toys in 1988? First off, this is one that I had. And I think you had it too. I did. The Nintendo Entertainment System. The NES, which was released in 1986, was huge at this point. Huge. Yeah, I feel like this was probably closer to the time that I got it. I don't think I got it when I was seven. I feel like I was like a little bit older. I feel like we got it in 87. I don't think it was the first year. I think it was the next year. Mm -hmm. Did you have the light gun? Yeah, for like Duck Hunt and yes. stuff? Yes. Oh, yes. I really want to play Duck Hunt right now. Me too. I love those games. I do too. Uh, speaking of all of this, if you have not seen the movie 8-Bit Christmas. Oh, my gosh. It's on HBO Max. It has Neil Patrick Harris um, and like Steve Zahn and some other people. Mm -hmm. But it is so great. It's it kind of like a Christmas story for the 80s mm -hmm. where he's telling his daughter the story of the year that he got his Nintendo. Such a great, like a randomly great movie. That is now in perpetual rotation for us. Yeah, we watched it Thanksgiving night, actually. Yep. It's so nostalgic. And it felt really authentic 80s for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of things that are you know set in the 80s that are made now and have been made in the last several years, they kind of go overboard with the mm -hmm. 80s stuff. Where it's it looks like you're wearing a costume from Party City. This felt like it really was. It really took place in the 80s. Yeah, it's not overt. Right. It's naturally in the 80s. Yes. It's so well done. And there's also a story with his sister who really wanted a Cabbage Patch Kid, which that yes. really resonated with me mm -hmm. because that was around the time when, you know, there were none on the shelves and you had to go like black market to get them. <laughs> which is funny. I also found out this week that my sisters, their Cabbage Patch Kids were knockoffs <laughs> made by like an individual yeah. that was crafting Knock off Cabbage Patch Kids. I remember those. I guess people were just like, well, people want these, so maybe they'll buy them. And they like kind of look like Cabbage Patch Kids, but <laughs> not really. Like you could tell the difference. I wish my parents still had them so I could get them and show them to you. I bet you they still do. They probably do. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I was asking my mom after I was watching this if she remembers if it was like a, if she had a hard time trying to find mine. Right. She said one year she did. But she, you know, she didn't go black market or anything, but it just took a while for her to find them. A little bit of work. She definitely is not the type that would have been out there fighting over them. <laughs> like you see in some of those news reports yeah. that are, that's insane. But yeah, I was definitely extremely happy to get my Cabbage Patch doll. It's funny, like going back to the Nintendo Entertainment System and thinking about 1986, I remember seeing 
the Sega Master System in Sears and wanting it so badly. Because <laughs> I, I, I saw like the display. I went and played it just like an 8-bit Christmas. Like it was speaking to me. Oh, yeah. That's what he did with the Nintendo. Yeah. yeah. But I made the choice to get the Sega Master System. Yeah, you got that first, right? I did. And nobody else had it. It was like me and no one else in the entire Western New York region. So everybody else was like trading games with their friends while I only had these Sega games that I owned. It was like four. Do people want to come play? No, No, they they did not. They did not care. Because I had like Safari Hunt, which was like Duck Hunt. And hang on. So it was like it was Duck Hunt and something else. And it was I had Safari Hunt and this motorcycle racing game was like the game that came with it. And nobody wanted to play it. That's funny. So I was all by myself. Another game I forgot about that they showed in the movie was Paperboy. Oh, I love Paperboy. I loved Paperboy too. I was recently looking for like an arcade one-up version of that game because we've got a couple arcade one-ups here. We've got... Burger Time, which has some other games in it, and the Star Wars like wireframe game. He's he's doing the hand yes, motions. Yes, I've but... got the yoke, the yoke stick in my hands right now. <laughs> I feel like they should have put Paperboy on the Star Wars cabinet because oh. that's what you used. Oh, they should have. But I, if they offer Paperboy, we will have it because I love Paperboy. All right. So next up, it just said Barbie. Yeah. Right. I looked up some Barbies that came out that year, and I actually didn't have a lot of them. There okay. was Superstar Barbie, Cool Times, Feeling Fun. There was Jazzy, who was Barbie's teenage cousin, which I had forgotten about. I did have Jazzy. And then Style Magic Barbie is one that I loved, except I had Style Magic Whitney, oh, okay. which was the brunette. Okay. She had the blue dress, and that's one that you're that had like a little mini curling iron and you were supposed to be able to curl their hair. Mm-hmm. It never turned out the way that it does in the commercial, of course. <laughs> but that was definitely one of my faves. So Micro Machines. Did you have any of those? Oh, yes. Not very many. I was very jealous of a lot of my friends. They all had Micro Machines. Micro Machines actually debuted in 87, but they were huge Yeah. in 1988. I got a few of them, just not as many as some of my friends. And I would play with their Micro Machines. I just remember those commercials because they had the guy that talked really fast. Yes. Micro Machines. So next up, two games, which I had both of them and loved playing them. Pictionary and Win, Lose, or Draw. I feel like we had these too. Great times. Yes. I also loved the show Win, Lose, or Draw and the oh, team yes. Win, Lose, or Draw. Didn't they have like, they had those big yes. easels. And you use the big markers. The big markers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much fun. Next up, real Ghostbusters action figures. That's kind of funny. That See, what year did Ghostbusters 2 come out? Was that 89? 89. Okay. But then the, the cartoon was out. So I guess that's yep. what that was. It's based off the cartoon. You'd yeah. have like Egon with like his white hair and like super quaffed and all that stuff. And Slimer was one of the action figures. I feel like some friends had this as well. I didn't. By the way, we just went and saw... Oh, Ghostbusters so Afterlife on my so birthday. Good. Yes. They rented out the theater for me. We went bougie. <laughs> it was so good. It was better than I even expected. Thanks, Dan and Tori. Yes. For renting the theater out. Yes, thank you. I was sobbing. It was so well done. Like from a nostalgic standpoint, mm-hmm. they treated it very well. They did. They did it justice for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Next up, you had G.I. Joe action figures. Were you big into them? Oh, yes. This would have been a little bit after I robbed 
my best friend. Oh, that's right. I forgot Remember? about that. Mm-hmm. So G.I. Joe action figures had been out for a few years, and my best friend had a massive collection of figures, of vehicles. He had the base, and I was over at his house without him there. And his mom was like, hey, he never plays with this stuff. Do you want to take it? And I was just like, yeah. Of course. So I took all of his G.I. Joe toys, and he was really upset about it. (laughs) Poor guy. Poor guy. Next up, Hot Wheels. Did you have them? Absolutely. I loved Hot Wheels because you'd get the car, and then you'd have the track that you could race them on, which would have like a loop in it, all this kind of stuff. You'd have the tracks. Funny story. My cousin, Steve was chasing my sister around my grandmother's house with two Hot Wheels tracks. She was running around, trying to evade him, ran straight into a pile of chairs that had like... How is there a pile of chairs? They were all stacked. So it's like a stacked pile of chairs. The chairs had like those adjustable like bases on the very bottom of the feet. Yeah. It hit my sister's cheek and fully embedded (gasps) in. Oh! And I can remember... Because I was right there and I remember my sister pulling back and this line, thick line of blood coming down her face because cousin Steve was getting a little too rowdy. Oh, does she have a scar? She does have a scar on her face still to this day. Heather, next time I see you, you got to show me your your chair scar. Heather, we send a picture, Heather. <laughs> next up is the starting lineup action figures. I feel like them? these were like football guys yeah, that were, you know, were, like posable and I feel stuff. Like my neighbor had those. Totally jacked. <laughs> Last up, Dolly Surprise, which is not on my radar. <laughs> this is one that I actually never had, but the surprise is that her hair grows. Oh, the hair grows. Yes. Do you cut it? Probably. No. I say you cut it. Probably. Well, I'm sure a lot of people did, thinking <laughs> it would just grow back. Because I know like, there's one like Totally Hair Barbie that was yeah. in the 90s that was really long hair. And, and so, I posted the commercial for that. And so many people responded saying that they cut her hair. They cut her hair. Yes. I think they thought it would grow. It's a one time you I get know. to enjoy that experience. Yep. But Dolly's surprise, I think you had to raise her arm or something and mm. her hair would, would grow. And then maybe when you put it back down, it went back to the shorter length. Makes sense. Yep. So that's it. I didn't have a lot of things on this list. Yeah, I played with a lot of these toys. So I feel very, very vindicated <laughs> for 1988 being my year. Good job. It's also the first time the Bills won the AFC East in quite a few years. And I can remember when that happened that year. That was another thing in 8-Bit Christmas that Neil Patrick Harris's character was like, well, it was either, it was 1986-ish. It was either the year that this team did this yes. or that this team did this. And I was like, that He was referencing that what happened right. based on his team's performance. Yes. because I can remember that, that all the time. So I, I, I got a kick out of that. Yeah, it was good times. All right. Well, that's it for Scrooged. It was a good time. As always. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So if you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find us at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. You can join our Facebook group, which has changed names. It is now called The Cozy Club dash fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. We're slowly growing over there. We have some great mods, Joanna and Stephanie, that are helping us out, starting conversations. So come over there. It's a good time. It is. We're on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can email us at we don't want to grow up at gmail.com. If you'd like to help support the podcast and all of our other endeavors, you can become a member of our Patreon. 
which you can find at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. There you can gain access to bonus episodes and soon to be extra content. Another way you can support us is by giving us a five-star rating if you listen on Apple Podcast and leaving us a nice review. You may listen on other platforms and maybe there's another way that you could rate us or review us there. So if there is, please do so. Those numbers do matter. So if you could do that, we would really appreciate it. Also, you could help spread the word by sharing about it with your friends and family and on your social media platforms with your followers. 